I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to the service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, all our campuses around the world, wherever fellowship is allowed, and all of the people connected in the homes and in the fellowships in houses. We're glad to have everybody connected to the service this morning. You guys get ready. We're going to have a very exciting time of study, both in the first and in the second service. I'm going to begin the teaching series this morning that will finish today. It's a series, but it will finish today. So we begin with this first service. We will conclude in the second service. I will advise you to stay with me because I'm going to be addressing a very critical subject in, you know, in the word of God. And it is very important for you. But we're glad to have everybody connected. Share the video, create watch parties, engage people, bring people onto the platforms and tag some people. Let's cover the blue marble planet with the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can I have a powerful amen? Are we excited that we're able to fellowship here this morning? Can we celebrate with a shout this morning? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated with your sweet smart self this morning. <clears throat> This is just for those international audience and people that are wondering how we're able to have church today. Well, in our state, the government gave an instruction that um, we can have fellowships today and all churches should fast and pray today. Pray for, you know, our society. Pray for uh, the endem um, pandemic. Pray for, you know, what's going on. And all churches are gathering today. But however, we've been giving restrictions on a number of regulations to observe both medically and physically, and we've observed all of that as a church to make sure everybody's protected and taken care of. This is just to help your minds so you don't wonder, so you have clarity. Amen? All right. Today we're looking at a subject. I want you to pay close attention because people ask me questions on this subject almost every time I teach. Almost every day I teach on television, on Facebook, in campuses, around the world as I travel to churches. Everybody asks me this question, and I want to put an end to that question today with clear explanation from the Word of God. We're looking at discerning the lost body. Discerning the lost body. Discerning the lost body. Whenever a scripture is misapplied, a major truth in Christianity is eroded. That is, whenever a scripture is misapplied, a major truth is missing. Because as we have said many times, a scripture can never mean today what it never meant when it was first written. And you can never get the truth out of a lie. You can never get the truth out of a lie. A lie doesn't mean a person is dishonest. It just means the person didn't get the truth. A lie doesn't mean that the person is dishonest. It just means that the person didn't get the truth. So the moment a scripture is misunderstood or misinterpreted, a major truth is lost somewhere. So we're looking at discerning the Lord's body. In Acts chapter 2, we find the first time the gospel was preached and people responded that it was a mass appeal. Before then, there was church in Acts chapter 1 verse 14. They gathered together with the women and they prayed. That was church. But this time, Peter was preaching in Acts chapter 2 verse 14. And he preached the gospel. And uh, the people asked him, what shall we do to be saved? In, in Acts chapter 2 verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. 
Look at verse 37 of the same Acts chapter 2. Verse 37. He was still preaching right down to 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Next verse, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Next verse. Next verse. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Next verse. Verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort. Verse 40. Verse 40. Acts 2 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this utterward generation. 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. Verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers. That means not everybody received the word. But 3,000 souls were added to 120 people. So that was serious addition. That will mean that they had... 120 times 25. 3,000, that is 25 services added to the 120. That's major. But they continued steadfastly or devotedly, steadfastly or devotedly to the apostles' doctrine or apostles' teaching. They had the word. The next thing was fellowship. They gathered to fellowship. They were breaking bread and praying. They were breaking bread and praying. So the very first time they had the gospel, the next thing they did was fellowship. Look at verse 47 of the same Acts chapter 2 verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now the word church there is not in the original. Actually the Lord added to them or to they or to it or to the number. So there was increase because there was a sense of fellowship or koinonia, meaning a sharing among them. The word sharing or koinonia means to give. There was giving among them. They were giving among them. So there was a sense of giving in the early church. Now you know we don't give our lives to God in salvation. We don't give our lives to God in salvation. But salvation prompts us to give ourselves to others. We give ourselves to the brethren. We give ourselves to one another. You know, um, you are born again. And in being born again, you receive God's life. But after you have received God's life in salvation, you now lay your own life down to serve the brethren. Is it clear? You receive God's life. After you have received God's life, you now lay down your life to serve the brethren. So you are born again. To serve the brethren. Acts chapter 5 verse 14. Acts chapter 5 verse number 14. And believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes. Both of men and of women. What is called added to the Lord is actually added to the church. In other words, you couldn't call it salvation if it is not joining the church. You are saved to join the church. Someone says salvation is not joining the church. I agree with you. But salvation means that you will join the church. Salvation is not joining the church. 
Okay? But salvation means that now that you are saved, you are joining the church. Please stay with me. So you join the church or you join the body of Christ or you join believers. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Next verse, 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So we are baptized into one body. So there is a sense of community in salvation. There is a sense of community in salvation. Salvation brings to a man's heart a sense of family. A sense of family. You are born into a family in salvation. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That is people you have never identified with before. You are now made by faith to identify with them in salvation. The moment you believe the gospel you are adopted into a new family. The moment you believe the gospel, you are adopted into a new family. Receiving the gospel, therefore, should give you a sense of community. Receiving the gospel, therefore, should give you a sense of community. The faith, which is Christianity, thrives in its tradition. Listen carefully. The faith, which is Christianity, thrives in its tradition. The faith which is Christianity thrives in its tradition. Because what is not stable cannot be called faith. What is not stable cannot be called faith. So there is a tradition in the faith. What is not stable and consistent cannot be called faith. What is not stable and consistent cannot be called faith. Faith is faith because it is consistent in and out of season. In Matthew 28 and in Mark chapter 16 verse 15, he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew chapter 28, he says, go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all things. In Luke chapter 24 verse 47, Luke 24 verse 47, put it up for me, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Notice, when he says these statements, he spoke it to them in a gathering. Both Matthew, he spoke to them in a gathering. Mark, he spoke to them in a gathering. Luke chapter 24 verse 47, he spoke to them in a gathering. Meaning, he spoke to a community of people. He spoke to a community of people. That's very important. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And he says, you shall receive power. Speaking to a group of people, a community. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So, Jesus spent time in Acts chapter 1 verse 3 teaching them on the kingdom. 
So in salvation, therefore, salvation brings you to a community of people. Salvation is personal in the sense that you believe and receive for yourself. Romans chapter 10 verse 8 to 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You believe and receive for yourself. And when that happens, you are now introduced to a family or a community of people. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. In Hebrews chapter 2, from chapter 1, it begins to talk about Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. He talks about Jesus being the express image of God. In chapter, in chapter 1, verse 4 to 14, he talks about angels. In chapter 2, he talks about the gospel and the prophecy of David. Then look at chapter 2, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Look at verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Next verse. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Underline the word brethren. He is not ashamed to call them brethren. The word brethren there is the Greek word Adolphus. It means we all came from the same womb. It means we all came from the same womb. Brethren. In the midst of the church. The word ecclesia. The word ecclesia. Look at verse 12 of that Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, my Adolphus, in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. In the midst of the ecclesia, he calls the church ecclesia. In the midst of the ecclesia, where the Adolphus are gathered. In the midst of the ecclesia, where you find the Adolphus, the brethren from the same womb. He said, I will declare, the word ecclesia is towards ek, alicia, called out, or to call out. The called out ones, ecclesia. That word is never used for individuals. It is always used for people called out or selected among others. People called out and selected among others. And somebody says, so, but how do we continue now that there is a lockdown everywhere? People are asked to stay at home and, and observe social distance and all of that. How do, we, how do we operate in times like this? We go back to the module of how it used to be when the church started. Like I have always said, for 1,000 years, the church didn't have a building. Yet people gathered and assembled. For 1,000 years of the church, nobody had a building, yet people gathered and assembled. That is the New Testament pattern for the church. Now, so how did they assemble? Look at the book of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 2. The book of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 2. And you must remember that on the day of Pentecost, they were in the lounge. They were in the lounge. They were in Solomon's porch. That is where the Holy Ghost came, in the city room. They were in a room when Pentecost happened, when the Holy Ghost came. Then in Philemon, chapter 1, verse 2, Philemon, and to our beloved appear and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. 
to the church where in thy house. So the New Testament church is started with church in the house. A community in the house. A community in the house. Jesus said the church is where two or three are gathered in my name. Where two or three are gathered in my name. And if you remember, I've been making emphasis on that in the last one or two years. How many of you remember? I've been emphasizing that. Where two or three are gathered in my name. That is the church. It is not the building that defines the church. It is the gathering. The gathering could be in a house. It could be in a garage. It could be on a football field. It could be under a bridge. It could be anywhere people can gather. It could be by the kitchen. It could be in the farm. Anywhere people can gather two or three. That is the church. The gathering. And I'm glad everybody is going back there now. Even if it's just going to be for one or two months, at least everybody's going back there now. And you know, you cannot have house churches in a church where people have not been built with the message. You cannot have house churches where you have not trained people to come to a place of leadership. You can only have house churches when you have raised enough pastors to pastor their houses. So any church that has not been doing their work, this is the time their nakedness will be exposed. Any church that the pastor has not been doing his work as he ought to work, this is when his nakedness will be exposed because what will you do with your members? They will stay at home and be following online. How many people have data to follow you online? How many people have understood the importance of, 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 of studying the word of God that they are willing to spend money now that people are hoarding money because they don't know if money is going to come and for how long the lockdown is going to be. People are calculating. Is it now that people will be buying data to follow you online? And yet you don't have structures. You don't have people trained. That's why the essence of the church is for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Is it getting clear? The saints are the ones who do the work of the ministry. The church is a coaching yard where we coach people to go out and do ministry. Somebody say, I hear you. So house churches are critical and they're going to become very significant and important. I was sharing with mama yesterday. I said, well, I don't know how long this lockdown is going to be. I don't know how long because the prescription for putting a stop to the coronavirus is to lock down, shut down completely. Nobody moving anywhere. Everybody at home until the last person is treated. And it is clear for a week or more that there is no new case. Then the government can begin to consider allowing people to start going out. That is how long the lockdown will be. And it's not in the hand of anybody. Are we in the building here? So that means house churches will be of the essence. In some countries, they've been on lockdown for one month now. Places like Italy, places like America. They've been on lockdown, no going out. In fact, Russia, the president of Russia, released lions... Uh, he released lions on the streets. Release lions on the streets. If they burn you, well, go out. Lions will feed on you to compel everybody to stay indoors. And more countries are adopting that method. So this is the time where Christianity will be known how many people it has really entered. How many of you remember I was telling you that I'm training you in this church so that if I pick you and drop you in Afghanistan, you can survive. How many of you remember that I said that? Yeah. 
you can survive. Because when the word of God is inside you, it is too, the devil is too small to, to corner you somewhere and mess around with you. That word will come alive. Somebody shout, I hear you. Churches in the house. Look at Romans chapter 16 verse 5. Romans chapter 16 verse number 5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Athenitus, who is the first fruit of Achaia unto Christ. The church in their house. First Corinthians 16 verse 19. First Corinthians 16 verse 19. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. The church that is in their house. The church that is in their house. Colossians chapter 4 verse 15. Colossians chapter 4 verse 15. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphas and the church which is in their house. The church which is where? In their house. Can somebody shout a powerful amen? The church which is in their house. So in the next few weeks, our church will be in houses. Our church will be in houses. We will not gather like this for some time after today. Wednesday will be in houses. Sunday will be in houses. Prayer meetings will be in houses. That is where the church will be. You have your district pastors. You have your district leaders. You have your, your, your coordinators. You have your zonal pastors. They will take care and ensure that everybody is covered in these times. And this is the time you cannot be isolated. You've got to be in touch with brethren. You need brethren support. The other day, a sister sent me a mail and said, Papa, I, 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 I'm, so, I'm so tormented by fear. She said, I went to check my children in the room. After checking them at night, as I came out, something just fell on me like fear. And then suddenly, I started feeling the symptoms. I started feeling the scratch on my throat. I started feeling temperature. Please, Papa, you need to reach out to me right now. I forwarded the mail to our pastor in that state. I said, take care of her. He called her on phone and ministered to her on phone. Prayed for her, shared the word for some time. And the following day, she sent a mail back to me. The fear is gone. I am free. All the symptoms have disappeared. Fear can give you corona without corona being present. Fear is bondage. Fear is torment. This is the time we need one another to be in fellowship with each other. Somebody shout a powerful amen. Alright, now let's get into the heart of the gist. First Corinthians chapter 1. Let's begin from First Corinthians chapter 1 so we build our case. First Corinthians chapter 1. So Paul writes to the local church. The local church is your expression of that faith. You are now in the faith born of God. The local church is now your expression of that faith. First and foremost, you are gathered unto Christ at salvation. You are called from darkness to light. In Christ, you are called into a body. You demonstrate that faith by your love for the saints. You demonstrate that faith by your love for the saints. The proof of that faith 
is that you gather with other believers. Whether in the temple like this or in houses. You gather with other believers. Whether in the temple like this or in houses. Even those of you watching online that are online church people. You must be able to create an environment around your home where other brethren around you can have support system. It's important. At this point, our Christianity comes to the fore. Our love has to be proven in times like this. Coming to be together with believers is as important as prayer. Coming together with believers is as important as prayer. There is, there is, there is, there is a remorse you must feel when you are not meeting with brethren. There's a remorse you, you should feel uncomfortable because you have not obeyed scriptures. You must learn to fellowship with believers. So brother Paul writes a letter to a church, the church at Corinth. It was a local church, the church at Corinth. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. God is faithful. God is faithful. By whom you have been called or by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Next verse, verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That you all speak, underline that, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind. Underline the same mind. And in the same judgment. Underline the same judgment. So three things there. The same thing. The same mind. The same judgment. Underline those three. The same things. The same mind. The same judgment. This is how the local church should be. You all speak the same thing. You all have the same mind. You all have the same sense of judgment or discernment to say the same things. One mind, one judgment or discernment so there be no divisions. No divisions. No divisions. The word divisions is the Greek word schisma. S-C-H-I-S-M-A. Schisma. Schism. It means to tear a garment you know those, those, those Jewish garments, those long gowns. Divisions means to tear it in pieces. To shred the garment. That's the meaning of division. To shred the garment. Brother Paul used it singularly apart from Jesus who used the same word in the Gospels. Back then, it meant to tear your overall garment into shreds. Now, when you tear your garment into shreds, it loses the reason why you wore it. It loses the reason why you wore it. That's what Paul calls division. That when we are united or when we are divided, our essence for being brethren is defeated. When we are divided, our essence for being the body of Christ is being defeated. Because the garment has been shredded. So the purpose for the garment has been defeated. That's what Paul calls division. 
That is, the gathering of saints becomes less effective when there is such division. The gathering of saints becomes less effective when there is such divisions. In the same letter, he uses the same word in 1 Corinthians 11.18. 1 Corinthians 11.18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you and I partly believe it. And 1 Corinthians 12.25. 1 Corinthians 12.25. That there be no sickism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So he says, let there be no divisions, let there be no sickism, no division, no sickism. In that first Corinthians where we read, he says that you should have same mind, same judgment, meaning no competition here. It's not a social club. Let's have the same mind. We are not in competition with one another. We are a family. Let's have the same mind. Because it's a human gathering. Therefore, wherever human beings gather, there's bound to be misunderstandings. There's bound to be quarrels. There are times even sisters will reject a brother's request for marriage. And the brother will feel so hot. And there are times brothers will refuse to approach a sister who is expecting. And there will be hearts. So in a gathering, such things are bound to occur. But brother Paul says we must see to it that there are no divisions. There may be misunderstandings. There may be quarrels in the church. Or you do business with a brother and he cheated you. He cheated you. The prophet came, he ate all. And gave you 5,000. Please, so that at least it will be that you partook. Meanwhile, your share in the business was 300,000. But he gave you 5,000. Those things are bound to occur among brethren. But brother Paul says, when we realize we have been called to the fellowship of his son, our mindset must change. When we realize that we are called to the fellowship of his son, our mindsets must change. We, we will not ignore these things. Our mindset must change. The moment personal fuse is the reason why believers avoid Christian gathering, they are not growing. The moment personal fuse becomes the reason why you are staying away from our gathering, it means you are not growing. Somebody gossiped and gossiped you or gossiped to you. And you stay away from the gathering. You are not growing. Anywhere human beings gather, any matured person knows that misunderstandings always occur in human gatherings. Even in biological families, there are misunderstandings. Are we talking? Are we together in the building? All right. But Brother Paul says, no matter how much we misunderstand, we must respect men and respect brethren in spite of all those things. Realize the importance of the gathering of sins. Then in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians, verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where we are reading. For it had been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Cleo, that there are contentions among you. That there are contentions 
among you. Contentions means strife or wranglings. Why will believers be arguing for five hours? Sometimes people have misunderstandings and then I sit to talk with them and argument, argument, argument. When the matter is about to end, another uproar will start. Why will we be arguing for hours? Other than flesh, immaturity, lack of growth, carnality. Are you still in the building? So Paul says there are contentions. I remember years ago, I don't know honey if you remember, years ago we were listening to Kenneth Copeland. Brother Copeland we call him. Brother Copeland. He's old now, he should be 80 something. No, brother Copeland. <laughs> he said something that got my attention, but it took me many years to understand that. This was in the 80s. It took me years. Maybe around 2000 and something was when I understood what Kenneth Copeland said in the 80s. It took me time. He's, I was listening to, well, listening to the message. He said, if a brother has a problem with immorality, we correct him with the word of God. If a brother has a problem with immorality, we correct him with the word of God. But if a brother has a problem with strife, I send him away. If a brother has a problem with immorality, we correct him with the word of God. But if a brother has a problem with strife, I send him away. Because the Bible says where there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Brother Paul said there are contentions. There is strife among you. And my intent is that there should be no divisions among you. When I started studying the epistles, I discovered what Brother Copeland was talking about back in the 80s. He said when he finds two people in strife, he doesn't even admit them to work in his office. He, he fires them from his office. He sends them away. He said because nothing grows in an atmosphere of strife. Nothing grows in an atmosphere of strife. Whether it's in a church, in a relationship, or whatever. Nothing grows in the atmosphere of strife. And usually when there is strife, it's because somebody doesn't want to agree. Everybody wants to win. So because everybody wants to win, you may win but lose the relationship. You may win but you will lose the relationship. You may win the argument but you lose the relationship. That is foolishness. Because the relationship is more important to you than winning an argument. You didn't hear that. The relationship, because we are bound by Jesus. Jesus died to make us brethren. The relationship is more important than losing the argument. So sometimes mature people will lose the argument and keep the relationship. Mature people will lose the argument and keep the relationship. Somebody doesn't want the blame at all. Because one person cannot strive by himself. So brother Paul says there is quarrel among you. Then in Romans chapter 1 verse 29, he limits, he, I mean, he lists the quarrel as a sin. In Romans 1 29, he lists the, the quarrel as sin. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, 
Did you see the last one? Whisperers. You know who whisperers are? Did you hear what I just heard? Did you hear what I just heard? Did you hear what I just heard? I just heard. I just heard. Did you hear what I heard? I just heard. People that behave like that, they are in sin. It doesn't matter what information they have. Whisperers are in the same category with fornicators. Whisperers are in the same category with adulterers. Whisperers are in the same... It is called name dropping in politics. Name dropping. They are in the same category with, 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 with immoral people. All of them are the same. Whisperers. Are you in the building? Whisperers. In Romans chapter 13 verse 13. See brother Paul. Romans chapter 13 verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting. Not my own kind of rioting. Not in rioting. My own is riot. This one is rioting. My riot is righteous invasion of truth. This one is rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness. Not in strife. Did you see strife? Not in strife and envy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he calls the church canal. Because there were issues in Corinth and they were always settling fights. In that church, they were always fighting and quarreling. Sometimes the preacher will be preaching and uproar will start inside the service and distract the preaching. It was the most carnal church in the New Testament. There were all kinds of fights, business fights, relationship fights, marital fights. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 so you understand the anatomy of this church we are analyzing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1. And I brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So this lays the framework to why brother Paul will say the things he will say to them in the verses to come. Next verse. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For he that you are not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. Verse 3. For are ye, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? He used strong words. Are you not carnal and walk as mere men? You are reasoning in the flesh. Look at Second Corinthians twelve twenty. Second Corinthians twelve twenty. Please stay with me. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I would. Brother Paul is talking to church in Corinth. And that I shall be found unto you such as you will not. Lest there be debates, envies, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, again, swellings, tumults. Lest when I come, I shall find whisperings in the house of God, these are heavy issues. And some of us carry over this attitude and behavior from our unbelieving life. When we are not born again, we were a bunch of gossipers. Now that we are born again, we are still gossiping. No change of mindset. No growth. No maturity. Some of us carry over these issues. In Galatians 5.20, he calls it the work of the flesh. Galatians 5.20, the work of the flesh. 
Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 4. He is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, evil surmisings, where you sit down by yourself and you create a story about somebody and you believe it and begin to announce it. Evil surmisings. You sit down by yourself. You form a scenario because of the evil inside your mind. You create a story about somebody that never existed before. After forming the story, because you're obsessed with your wish of evil for the person, you believe the story. Then you start announcing it even with attendant evidence. Evil surmising. Whisperings. Are you still in the building? Yeah. Whisperings. And the intent is to hurt. The intent is to harm. The instant, the intent is to assassinate somebody's character. The intent is to paint somebody that Jesus died and washed with his blood black. The intent is to render the work of Christ useless in the person's life. The intent is to make the sacrifice of Jesus for the person useless. You sit down and you fabricate the matter. And then you announce it such that it appears to be real. Evil surmising. And a lot of brethren have such issues. A brother did not greet you, you conclude he must have had something. He must have had something. I'm always seeing him. Evil surmising. Whisperings. Brother Paul says, I don't want to come and find these things among you. It means you are not growing. You are carnal. You are carnal. You are not growing. You are not maturing. Okay? He says you are carnal. And you walk as mere men. Look at Titus chapter 3 verse 9. Am I teaching good this morning? Titus chapter 3 verse 9. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contention. Did you see the word contention and striving? Everywhere he spoke about these things, he included contention and striving or strife in the list. It's a consistent issue. So interactions, please take this down, interactions with believers is the true expression of your Christian work. Interaction with believers is the true expression of your Christian work. Interaction with believers is a true expression of your Christian work. Remember, you were born into a family. You were born into a family. You are born into a family. So what causes these expressions? He called them carnal. That word carnal is an oxymoron. It's the opposite of who you are. The opposite of who you are. You are spiritual. But in your behavior, you're acting carnal. It's like somebody say, why are you behaving like a dog? You're not a dog. It's an oxymoron. What he's saying is you're acting contrary to who you are. Are we in the building? Alright, so one of the reasons why believers often change in churches and begin to act carnally and act in strife. One of the fundamental reasons why people change. You see a brother that was serious and spiritual. Suddenly he becomes carnal. 
He starts working in strife. You see a long-standing member of a church. Suddenly he becomes carnal. He starts working in strife and dishonor. Why do people change? It has happened over and over. Even in this church. People used to be in this church. Suddenly they walk out. And the next thing you hear is they start saying all manner of things. Why do people change? Why is it that somebody that came serious and wanted to really live for Christ and wanted to live a serious life with Christ, why is it that suddenly they fall victim and become shipwrecked and they fall, they fall into a shipwreck for their faith? Why does it happen? Please listen carefully. We are dealing with discerning the lost body. Why does it happen? Why do people get into that state where it's like you cannot redeem them? It's because they are listening to more than one person. It is because they are listening to more than one person. The only reason why you become rebellious, disloyal, you get into strife, you get into bitterness, you get into unforgiveness, is because you are listening to more than one person. What was the reason for the fall? Who told you? Who told you you are naked? Who told you? If Adam and Eve were only listening to God, there would be no fall. The fall is that they started listening to somebody else. The moment you start listening to more than one person, if you are not careful, you become a victim of strife. You are listening to more than one person. That was the major problem in Corinth. Some say we are Apollos. Some say we are for Paul. Some say we are for this. There was, they were listening to different people. That church had different pastors who were speaking to them. So there was division because when we start listening to different people, suddenly we will start clashing. And a church that is not protected, a church that is exposed to every form of preacher to preach, a church that is exposed to different voices, whether from their pulpit or from television in the house, or from different things, suddenly, strife starts coming. Contention starts coming. They are listening to more than one person. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, chapter 2 to 12, the 12 chapters, he talked about division. And in chapter 12, he talked about division a lot. In chapter 15, he said some among them were saying that there was no resurrection inside the church. Different opinions. People were rising with different opinions to teach it. That's why I say to people who listen to my teaching, if you think you know better than me and you want to argue, it's better you leave my teaching and start your own. Because two pastors cannot be in a church. Two teachers cannot be at the same time in a classroom. You can't be listening to me and arguing with me. You are hearing a strange voice and you are hearing me. There will be confusion in your system. Am I communicating at all? If you are hearing me, say I hear you. There was division because they were listening to different voices. So it was a church full of divided opinion. It was a church, the church at Corinth, was a church full of divided opinion. So when you have people like that, they are listening to something else. They are reading something different. There will be division. But if all of us are listening to one voice, listening to one teacher, and learning from one source, one source, whether on TV, on Facebook, on YouTube, we are listening to one source. We are not greedy, looking for something that may be going on somewhere that I don't know. Let me see if I can gather more information. Meanwhile, the one that we are giving you, you have not even mastered it. You are just greedy. You will greed yourself into shipwreck. 
you will greed yourself into shipwreck. You will shipwreck your faith. You will shipwreck your Christianity. You will shipwreck your work with God. Then they said, let me listen to some other preacher, the church in Corinth. Suddenly, there was division. And that's a major issue in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, they say, I am of this, I am of that. It's in chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So opinions now led to divisions. Opinions now led to divisions. Opinions now led to divisions. Then in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, they stopped. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. You would think Paul is saying they should listen to all of them and listen to everybody. That's not what Paul was saying. He just started rebuking them first. That they should know that whether it is Paul or Apollos, all of them are ministers. But then he streamlined the discourse. He started that discourse in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 and he continued in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at chapter 4 verse 3 to 5. Chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 4, 3 to 5. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Next verse. For I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Paul is speaking to these people now. Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Now look at verse 14. He now moves to verse 14 of chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 4 14. I write not these things to shame you. I write now these things to shame you. But as my beloved sons, I warn you. As my beloved sons, I warn you. I don't want to shame you. Then he moves to the next verse. Pay attention. Verse 15 now. You will love this. Verse 15. For though you have 10,000 instructors. That's a figure of speech. I hope you know. That's a figure of speech. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. In Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, that word, I warn you, as beloved sons, I warn you, is the word moteto, moteto, M-O-U-T-H-E-T-O. And we're going to deal with that word eventually. Now, he says, though you have 10,000 instructors, only the word instructors does not mean teacher. He didn't say, though you have 10,000 teachers. Uh -uh. He said, though you have 10,000 instructors. The word instructor is the Greek word paedagogo. Paedagogo. P-A-I-D-A-G-O-G-A-S. Pythagogos, P-A-I-D-A-G-O-G-A-S. Pythagogos instructor is not a teacher. It's a babysitter. A babysitter. Though you have 10,000 babysitters, someone who cares for you, but you don't trust a babysitter to give you a university degree. You don't trust a babysitter to give you a university degree. Though you have 10,000 babysitters, I am your father. What he's saying is, babysitters cannot do the job of a parent. 
Babysitters cannot do the work of a father. I am your father. As my beloved sons, I warn you, though you have a thousand babysitters, I am your father. I am your father. Who is a spiritual father? A spiritual father is one that has begotten you in the gospel. He is the one that built doctrine into you. A man that built doctrine into you or built ministry out of you is your spiritual father. The word father means patah or source or the one that handed over to you a body of truth that you are running with in your Christian work. The person that handed over to you a body of truth. So when you call me father, it is not respect. It is responsibility. What you are saying is, you are responsible for my spiritual growth. Every time you call me father, you are reminding me by assignment in your life. It's not respect. It's not like biological father. A spiritual father is patah. The person that is the source of your spiritual nourishment. That is your spiritual father. Is it, is it clear here? That's your spiritual father. It's not respect. It is responsibility. It's responsibility. It's not respect. What you're saying is that you are the one responsible for my spiritual growth. Brother Paul used that word by the gogo when he was talking about the law. The law was our schoolmaster. Our pedagogo, our babysitter. In Galatians 3.23. In Galatians 3.23 The law taught you nothing. The law did not make you righteous. It was just a babysitter. You didn't benefit anything from the law. It was just a babysitter. Are you still in the building? First Corinthians again. Chapter 4 verse 15 where we are. Because we are dealing with discerning the lost body. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ. Yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. 16. Wherefore, I beseech you, be you followers of me. No more saying you can follow me or, or, or Apollos or. It's no more saying you can follow us. He started by saying we are ministers of God. Then he streamlined, say I'm your father, so follow me. Now she said, listen to me. You can't be hearing two of us. You've got to listen to me. I'm the source of your spiritual nourishment. I'm responsible for your doctrinal persuasion. I'm responsible for your doctrinal growth and maturity. Follow me. Follow me. Don't follow babysitters. Who are babysitters? They are people that drop little, little revelation knowledge here and there. They drop it. Little revelation knowledge on Facebook. Little revelation knowledge on YouTube. Little revelation knowledge on television. But they are not responsible for your body of truth. They are babysitters. The person responsible for your body of truth is your father. And Paul says, follow me. Put up that scripture again. Paul says, follow me. Please stay with me. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me, not be ye followers of us. Be ye followers of me. Are you still in the building? So, he puts their focus back on him. He puts their focus back on him. So, he addresses them in that light. Now, stay with me and listen carefully. First Corinthians chapter 4, he talks about judgment. First Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about the erring brother. First Corinthians chapter 6, he talked about how they treated one another. First Corinthians chapter 7, 
he talked about marriage. First Corinthians chapter 8, he talked about food offered to idols. We will get there in the second service. First Corinthians chapter 9, he talked about how they treat ministers. Lots of issues. Every chapter he was dealing with issues because the church as Corinth was a church full of issues. They couldn't recognize who their leader was. That church was a church that could not recognize who their pastor was. It's not their recognition that makes him their pastor. He is their pastor whether they recognize or not. It's not whether you call me father, papa, whatever you call me. That's not what makes me your father. It is what I have put inside you that is alive inside you that makes me your father. The things I have taught you that you have drank. The things I have taught you that you have benefited from. All the things I have taught you that has made you who you are in Christ. Whether you acknowledge me for it or not, is inside you. You cannot vomit it. It's an eternal deposit. If you refuse to honor me for it, Christ will honor me. It's a simple matter. So it's not whether you agree I am your father or not. I'm, I'm not even interested. If you like, call me Abel, Abeletto, whatever you want to call. It, it changes nothing. It changes nothing. You cannot, you know, when a father gives, when a father gives birth to a child, the DNA is eternal. You can't remove it. You can hate your father. You can abuse your father. You can run away from home, but the DNA is there. Some people that don't want to call me their father in public is my father. They hide. When they come out in public, they pose as if they are in charge. It's a lie. It's inside you. When you keep quiet and sit down, I come alive inside you through my teachings. Some of you, when you talk, people that know me well, they can hear me in your voice. There's no way you can remove it. It's there. It's there. Am I talking to somebody here? It's there. You can't remove it. That's what Brother Paul says. I am your father. I'm not a babysitter. I'm not a nanny. I'm your father. Check inside you. Check your brain. Check your spirit. I'm your father. So therefore, follow me. Did you see that? Therefore, follow me. Now, their recognition of him as their father only made it effective for them. Their recognition only made it effective for them. But the point was, they failed to recognize him. So he said, look, you can have 10,000 babysitters, but one father. I begot you through the gospel. So this church really had divisions. Now everybody listen carefully. Remember, you are born into a family. And you express that truth by belonging to a gathering. And the physical gathering requires physical leadership. The physical gathering requires physical leadership. Or spiritual leadership in the physical gathering. That physical gathering demands you express unity with the brethren there. You express unity. Whether it's a house church, because now we're all going into houses. In that house where you gather, the person I have appointed is now your pastor there on my behalf. So you must recognize his authority. And your interaction with believers, and precisely believers in your local church, 
show how much you have grown as a believer. Now, the very key text here is in 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Are you getting blessed this morning? 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, on the line come together, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. That's the key scripture of Corinthians. That you come together not for the better, but for the worse. When you read Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 4, the church in the book of Acts refers to the gathering. In chapter 13 verse 1, see it, Acts 13 verse 1. Though I speak Acts 13, not Corinthians. Acts chapter 13 verse number 1. Now, they were in the church that was at Antioch, one local church. Certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. The church, the church in Antioch. So Paul says, when you come together as a gathering, is for the worse. Why did he say their gathering was for the worse? Remember, he started with divisions. There are divisions. Then opinions. Opinions that leads them to judging Paul. Opinions. So it now becomes an issue with a brother living in open scene. When there is division in a church, discipline and correction will be affected. When there is division, discipline and correction will be affected. The moment there is division, they will see discipline as bullying. They will see correction as the church is not tolerating them. Once there is division, it's a crack that affects discipline and correction. Even in the family. If a father and mother are divided, it will be difficult to discipline the children. Anywhere there is division, discipline will be difficult. Are we still teaching here? Discipline will be difficult. Now listen carefully. It now becomes an issue to discipline people. Then, cases begins to go to the court of law because there is division. People can no more settle cases in church. I was talking to two brothers in this church some time back. He said, Papa, before I answer you, let me talk to my lawyer. I said, ah, me, me, you are general overseer. I am sitting over you to talk. You want to talk to your lawyer. I hope when you go to your lawyer, you will also no more go to Christ. I hope you will no more go to Christ when you go to your lawyer. When I started talking like that, he saw his foolishness. I said, lawyer, do you know how many lawyers we have in church that are listening to me? Do you know how many lawyers we have in church that are listening to me? His head is not thinking straight. His head is not thinking straight. In the day of your trouble, you don't call lawyer, you call pastor. When you're in the hospital, you don't look for lawyer. When doctors have said it's over, we don't know what to do again, who do you call? 
The last man on the line is your pastor. Papa, the doctor says there's nothing more. Please pray. Please pray. When your lawyer fails in the case, in the court of law, he says, look, we have exhausted everything. The, the case is against you. Papa, please pray. The last man on the line of defense is your pastor. Am I communicating at all? That's the last man on the line. That should be the first man in consideration. That should be the first man to listen to. Am I communicating at all? Am I communicating? So each of them were listening to different voices. Because if all submitted to the same authority, there will be no need to go to someone else to settle disputes. That's what he meant in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 to 3. He now got to this point in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. Observe carefully. I'm rounding up. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you and I partly believe it. Next verse now. Observe 19. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. There are heresies. The word heresies means factions. Factions. Heresies, it means factions. There are factions among you. Factions. Groups. Groups. You will see the use of that word heresies in the following scriptures. Acts 5.17 The Pharisees had their groups. Heresies. Acts 5.17 Acts 15.5 Acts 15.5 Acts 24.5 You can read it at home. Acts 24.5 Acts 24.14 Acts 24.14 Acts 26.5 Acts 26.5 Acts 28.22 Acts 28.22 I go over the list again. Acts 5.17 Acts 15.5 Acts 24.5 Acts 24.14 Acts 26.5 Acts 28.22 Peter also used that word in 2 Peter 2.1 2 Peter 2.1 And brother Paul used the word in Galatians 5.20 as a work of the flesh. Galatians 5.20 as a work of the flesh. Let me address this. The word heresies heresies means to choose. It means to choose. The word heresies means to choose. Is from the word choice. As believers, we ought to believe, obey, and walk. As believers, we ought to believe, obey, and walk. Not to choose. As believers, we are not to choose. We ought to believe, obey, and walk. But the moment you begin to say, my choice. You are forming a heresy. The moment you begin to say, my choice, you are forming a heresy. The moment you begin to say, I choose what to believe. I choose what to follow. I choose 
you are forming a heresy. So, a heresy comes from choice or opinion. Believers, we are called to a life of obedience, submission, and faith. A life of obedience, submission, and faith. Not a life of opinion. The moment is an opinion you are expressing, you are in heresy. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, you have opinions in your secular work. You have opinions in your marriage. You have opinions in your businesses. You have opinions in your home and in your family. But in the gathering of believers and in the things of faith, you don't have an opinion. In the gathering of believers and in the things of the faith, you don't have an opinion. The moment an opinion comes, there is a room there for heresy. So what's the opinion here? First Corinthians 11.20 First Corinthians 11.20 When you come together therefore into one place this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Remember what I said. When a scripture is misunderstood a major truth is lost. So there's something fundamental here on how a good part of the church because of a lack of understanding of this scripture we have lost a truth in the body of Christ. Because of lack of understanding of this scripture. Because of wrong interpretation of what we are about to read in the second service. <laughs> Because of wrong interpretation of what we are about to read in the next service. We have lost the meaning of what Paul was talking about. So again, 1 Corinthians 11.20. Look at it. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Look at another one. Verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together. The first one, come together. The second one, come together. Not for the better, but for the worse. Look at verse 18. For first of all, when you come together. So three verses. Come together, come together, come together. Are you in the building? People have always interpreted the Lord's Supper to mean Holy Communion. Or a special meal. But the word supper must be interpreted. Stand up, let's close. I will interpret all of that in the next service. The word supper, the Lord's supper must be interpreted. So we will do exegesis on the word the Lord's supper. See, I hear you. Are you blessed? You don't want to stand up. Stand up, let's close. <laughs> Yeah, enjoy. We will continue in the next service. Some of you can hang around. You can stay back. Some of you can watch on TV. You can watch online. But we'll continue in the next service. Can somebody shout a powerful amen? Are you blessed this morning? Are you learning something? Turn to your neighbor from afar and say, I love you, my brother. 
I'm here for you. I'm your support system. In the midst of this lockdown, please don't be alone. If you need anything, call out. You know, I have told the welfare department in church to buy foodstuffs for only brethren in church that don't have. And I want to encourage all our districts, all our fellowships to contribute food today. If you have a bag of rice to give, a bag of beans, you know, whatever, gari, everybody. This is where the lack of division starts now. This is where the love thing I'm teaching here starts from. Okay? This is how to discern the lost body. You will understand the circumstances. What we're doing now is discerning the lost body. A brother cannot be in need and you have four bags of rice in your house. You are not discerning the lost body. A sister cannot sleep hungry and you threw away food last night. You are not discerning the lost body. We are supposed to cater for one another, look out for one another, and be there for one another. Especially in times like this. A friend in need is a friend indeed. That's what we are teaching. This is where the robber meets the road. This is where our true Christianity comes to bear. This is where the reality comes. I don't want any member of this church, no matter how long this lockdown will be, whether it's one month or two months or three months, I don't want any member of this church to starve for food. So we are storing up food. We are storing up food. And those of you online in our campuses, if you're online, you don't belong to a campus, you want to belong to one around your area, shoot me a mail. We are there for all of us. Shoot me a mail with your location and your phone number. We will see how to reach out to you too. Shoot out a mail. We want to be able to be there for one another. Say, I hear you. We want to be able to provide for one another. We want to be able to be there to pray for one another. It's not just food. Some people may need prayer. Some people may need counseling. The devil is bombarding your mind. Boo, 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 boo. You speak in tongues, you can't survive it. The bombardment is too much. You take a phone. You call a brother. He answers. You say, bro, metola kataya. The brother from the other side, mengolo dogogo, regeta gabala, hegele bagoda. Two of you on the phone. Elema jokolone mereketina galana. Fifteen minutes. You say, brother, thank you. That's all I called you for. You switch up the phone. You are charged. Am I talking to somebody here? We are there for one another. We should stand for one another. In the last one week, I've been praying for people on phone. I've been praying for people. People that are having panic attacks. People that are struggling with thoughts. Reaching out, praying. Ministering to people. Breaking the bonds of the enemy. Thank God there's no distance in the realm of the spirit. We may not gather physically, but we are gathered unto him. For unto the Lord shall the gathering of his people be. Shout glory! We're here for one another. And we're here for each other. Nobody shall be overcome by the enemy. In this house, nobody shall be overcome by the enemy. In this house, coronavirus has been served a notice. It will not cross your house. It will not cross your dwelling place. That amen is not coming like you know what I'm talking about. Say with me, greater is he that is in me than corona that is in the atmosphere, that is in the world. Say, I am immunized by the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, I am far from oppression. 
No fear here. I thought I would hear powerfully. Amen. Everything I have taught you all these years, it is time to bring it into action. It is time to make me know I did not waste my time. It is time to live up to your realities. You shake yourself and beleta balataka. Legola mayakana. Engelemo shakayana. Stop reading all those social media news. Shut off CNN. And stay with the word of God. Charge yourself with the scripture. Wake up in the morning and shout the champion is awake. And make up your mind during this lockdown. To go back to Bible study. Go back to Bible study. Take all my notes. Everything I have taught you. Start reading and studying. Follow me online. I am on the line all the time. My broadcast is on constantly. Both on Kingdom Life Network. On Facebook. And on YouTube. Many hours a day. Ladies and gentlemen. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. And this is the victory. That overcometh the world. Even our faith. I thought I would hear powerful amen. As your amen will come like thunder. I decree over you today. You are far from oppression. Grace is upon your life. You are preserved by the Holy Ghost. You are strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man. In the name of Jesus. You are protected from the snare of the enemy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment is condemned. And in the name of Jesus, by the favor of God, enjoy the liberty you have in Christ Jesus. You are blessed above every limit. In Jesus' precious name. Can I hear that? Amen on a note of finality. Let me also mention one more important thing. Maintain social distance. It's important. Maintain social distance. Wash your hands many times a day. Keep to yourself as much as possible until this whole thing is over. We don't have to physically hug and shake to be brethren. We are brethren whether we hug or we don't hug. We are brethren whether we sit down together and talk mouth to mouth. We are still brethren whether we do that or not. So since what helps the moment is social distance, maintain it. If you go out, wash your hands many times. Wash your hands many times. Keep your hands away from your nose, your mouth, your eyes. If you're too restless, wear a mask. The purpose for the face mask is to avoid your hands entering your eye and your nose. So wear it so that every time your hand is coming, there's an obstacle. Because every human being has the need to be scratching things. Even me sometimes, I just, then I'll remember. I'll finish it. I've started. Faithful is you who has started. You will also finish it. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Grab your offerings. Let's give and rejoice. I continue the teaching in the next service. We'll just continue from where we stopped. Father, thank you for everybody giving this morning. We give in faith. We give with love. We give with joy. Thank you for the privilege to make a difference in the gospel. And thank you that everyone giving, including those giving online and everybody responding in our campuses, we rejoice that even in times like this, we can give our resources for the advancement of your kingdom and for the betterment of brethren. We give you praise for your blessing us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I have a powerful amen? Hey guys, online.
online family, all of you watching on Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube. You don't want to miss where I am going to in the next service. Discerning the lost body. It's going to be very brutal. We love you guys. Our campuses, we live in the able hands of our coordinators. Like I said, make this season a time of Bible school. Make it a time of Bible school. Follow me every morning, 10 a.m., every afternoon, 12 noon, every afternoon, 4 p.m., every evening, 6 p.m., and every night, 10 p.m. All of these are times of teaching on social media. And then on television, many times a day. Get different notebooks. Tell yourself, I have just gone to school. Buy different exercise books for different broadcasts. As I'm teaching, be making notes. When I finish, drink tea or something, say I'm going for next lecture. When the next broadcast comes, starts with another notebook. When the next one comes, starts with another notebook. Continue like that through the day. Every day, the lecture is progressive. By the time the holiday is over, you didn't waste it. You invested it. Don't let this... Pastor Chris Onayinka called me a few days ago. I was telling mama. He said, Dr. Damina, we must not waste this vacation. We must engage it. We must use it. We must use it. I said, yes, we're going to use it. And we talked about things we're going to do during this vacation. Don't let the time waste. Oh. Don't wake up from morning till evening wasting the day. Reading social media. Eh, so, Erufai has caught the virus. Eh, so, so, ah, ah, ah. so, Queen Elizabeth has caught it. Ah, it has entered the queen. Eh, who shall survive? Eh, eh. Their story is not my story. I'm a peculiar person. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a chosen nation. Hey, hey, hey. I am in Christ. There's no coronavirus in Christ. Instead of idling around, listening to news and local stories, stay with Bible study. Shut your door. Shut everywhere. Lock in. Build, 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 build. Build a lot of capacity. So that when, they, when everybody is back to circulation, you have direction. You know what to do. You know where to go. You know what to engage in. Because friends, this is a new world. And you must be prepared for the new world. Am I talking to somebody here? You must prepare yourself. And preparation starts from the spiritual. It's important to. A word is enough. For the wise. We love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. And be blessed. Let's celebrate viewers around the world. Praise God. Are you ready? Hit it. Let's do it as we give our offerings right here.
this. 